Hey everybody, this is Davis with Con Freaks and Geeks, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Pop Culture Gems. This is a series where we talk to amazing creators, artists, cosplayers, voice actors, and so much more. If you like the interviews we do uh, with our amazing guests, give us a thumbs up or, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, the CFG channel, uh, or you can listen to it on any podcast services out there like Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or so much more. We're all over the place. And uh, Or if you just want to check out all the fantastic geeky content in one area just go to our main website confreaksandgeeks.com for the whole package uh today i am speaking with an incredibly creative person he voice acts he directs he writes he published he does a ton of different creative things he recently has been announced to be one of the voices of rindo in the upcoming square enix game neo the world ends with you i would like to welcome paul castro jr to the show how are you doing sir I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. This is a uh, it's a real pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to to chatting with you. Oh yeah, that's great. It's great. After uh, like it was funny because uh, my uh, uh, what was it my my editor my editor was playing the demo of uh, the world tonight with you, and then he was like, "Hey, uh, the, the voice actor came to my to my chat." He's like, "Oh, that's awesome." It's like I was. They like see if we could talk to him. I would love to talk to him. <laughs> it's like yeah, okay. <laughs> that was. Uh, I've been doing that. You know, it's the. It's honestly, I love the the community and the fandom. And I was like, how funny and fun would it be to stop by people's streams who are playing the demo, have no idea who I am, and then it's mm-hmm. so funny because at the end of the demo, there's a credit slide and it says like it's the trailer where it has all the voice actor names. <laughs> so, so many times I'd hop in and people would be like, oh, this. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Welcome. How are you doing? I'm like, how's how are you enjoying the game? do you like it who's your favorite character and then they'll beat it and then they'll get to the credits and they'll go wait a second is that guy in my stream right now and it's just, and then you just see their faces just glow up it's just it's priceless i love it it makes me so happy it's like a cruel joke but it's not really cruel but it's it's just hilarious when, it, when you have the realization of it. it's like oh wow this cool this person was a part of it he knows it. yeah <laughs> That that's awesome. Well, thank you for stopping by. I would love to uh, love to uh, chat everything geeks with uh, geeky with you. So, uh, but let's get into it, man. Um, so, like, uh, like you yourself, like I've been looking into it, and you are just a man of many hats. Like you're an actor, director, voice actor. I mean, the list literally can go on on what you uh, what you could uh, what you contribute in. And uh, but uh, what like but out of all of that, like with uh, on the back end stuff, like what got you into the world of voice acting? Hmm. Well, it definitely all started with like an insane passion for video games and anime. I, before I even wanted to be an actor, that was basically my daily life consumption. I was watching, you know, Toonami, Adult Swim, I I guess it was Toonami at the time, uh, and cartoons, you know, X-Men, the animated series and playing every RPG, JRPG that you can imagine. I mean, the amount of times I've played Final Fantasy VII or Suikoden's or, you know, the Tales series, Legend of Mana, all that stuff. That was basically how I was doing. Sitting in my room playing video games and when I was in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And the long story short of it is I somehow found myself in an acting class. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really fun. Um, I would love to. And I told the teacher, I was like, you know, I really would like to be like on Dragon Ball Z or something. I was like, how do I do that? And then they were like, well, if you want to become a voice actor first, you have to learn how to act. And I've said this pretty much in every interview, but it's the words that really stick 
to me and I preach to everybody who's interested in pursuing voice acting is you got to learn how to act. You got to study the craft. You have to really uh, uh, train yourself, not just in doing impressions and, you know, uh, Super Saiyan screams. You got to know how to connect and get into a character's skin and understand their emotional uh, tics and their core. So mm-hmm. I, I wind up studying acting, fell in love with theater, TV and film. And then while doing all those things, when I moved to New York City, my commercial agent was sending me out for like promos and commercials and stuff uh, because commercial voice act as uh, commercial uh, cat, uh, agents. When you have a, a, a youth agent, they'll send you out for mm-hmm. everything. It's basically like throwing darts at a board and waiting for some kid, you know, who's just says sprinkles the right way or, or, you know, cocoa puffs the right way, gets the job. But I was booking a lot of these voiceover things because obviously I have a very youthful sound and I was training as an actor. I wasn't just like a pretty face, as they say. I was, mm. you know, I knew what I was doing and I was older, but I was auditioning for things that were younger. And I and I loved animation and cartoons and all that stuff. So I was even doing that stuff uh, at that time. But the main thing I was doing was like promos for Nickelodeon. So all the stuff that's like coming on next is SpongeBob. Stay tuned for these wacky cartoons, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I was doing that for years and years and years. And that was kind of the, the entry point into voiceover for me. And then obviously I got into doing more cartoons, animes, anime, uh, animation and video games. Well, so it seems like you kind of want, like you initially wanted to voice act, but like, but, but then at the same time, you just kind of, cause I mean, you've done other projects. I like, I've seen your, yeah. like, I mean, your, 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 uh, uh, your list of stuff. I'm just like, wow. I mean, you've just done things that was beyond just like being the, the, uh, the stereotypical voice actor per se let's just say that not in a bad way but yeah. just, but it's like wow it's like you were direct you're directing you have you you wrote your own like you basically wrote a series which we're yeah. i also want to get into that because i want to get some more information on that uh sure. but like man it's just like it just so like so when you basically got that bug was basically in college when you were saying like you uh uh, where you uh say when you what you they told you you had to learn how to act before you could do anything and then you just yeah opened up on creativity is that what happened or what yeah I mean <laughs> I was so I was so blind and oblivious to how when I when I was a kid I didn't know you could become an actor I didn't think that was a job that you could do I thought that actors were selected by like these you know gatekeepers who were like you Johnny Depp come with me you're gonna become you know all, all you know whoever it was i didn't think that you could apply to do that stuff because i grew up in a small town in jersey and you know you, you never saw film sets you didn't know voice actors like it just wasn't people i didn't know anybody who was in the entertainment business mm-hmm. um so eventually i was you know i caught the bug acting and um i always knew in the back of my head that i would love to come back to, to voiceover but it, it it was um it took a lot of hard work and it took a lot of deconstructing all of what I thought was acting. Cause you know, you start out and you have um, a desire to show all your, your skills in a way and really like Mm -hmm. capital a act is what they say where you're like, (laughs) Maria, what are you doing? You know, like that type of big capital a uh, acting. And then you deconstruct that And college was really great for that. I went to a couple of different colleges, but I really credit, I really credit, going to uh, the Meisner Conservatory at NYU for uh, getting me like stripping all of what I thought I was supposed to do away and, and actually just being a human being that listens and responds. 
that's awesome. That's really awesome. And yeah. Like, uh, like, like I said earlier, though, I mean, like, there is a series that I've been waiting to hear about more about for a while because I've heard about it, like back in 2019 or so, 2018, 2019. But yeah. uh, it's probably because of the past year that we've had for the obviously obvious issues uh, and that there was a wrench into some things. But I want to know about the the uh, the the Game Factory, the uh, the series that you made that you made. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I heard about this, like. Uh, when I heard about, it, I was sold. I was like, I need to know more about this, but but haven't heard anything since. Is there any updates on what's going on with it? <laughs> well, so like you said, it's this was my passion project. I've been working on this for so long with my partner and I, and one of my good buddies, and uh, a couple of my good buddies. Quite frankly, this has been taking a village to create. We shot a pilot um, in Atlantic City for a good chunk of change. We had a really good creative team. Um, we had Jake Choi, who's on who's on AB, uh, ABC single parents we had frank deal who was in manifest which was on nbc now it's on netflix oh, wow. um, david rizdahl brock urich who was on the have and the have nots um like our cast was pretty stacked and who i was able to get to come and do this people who were um uh, like rising stars at the time who are now just kicking butt mm-hmm. um but so we had got acquired by a content studio, which was awesome. We went to a festival called ITV Fest, which is now called Catalyst, which is run by HBO and the uh, Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. And we we did it like an official selection premiering there. And we eventually got hooked up with this content studio. Um, and in the shopping phase, um, we weren't necessarily content on the direction that we were it was going to go because there's a lot mm-hmm. of ways it's extremely hard to get a series made it's oh, extremely yeah. hard to get your uh, uh content picked up by a streaming service um and even the making the pilot was a challenge in general but we eventually wind up taking our rights back working with another streaming platform and we were so excited we were coming out to la we were getting ready to do all this stuff to, to make it happen and then the pandemic hit and mm. it basically put the the roadblock in front of us of saying, do we want to wait this out and continue to do what we're going here? Or do we want to reenter into the pitching phase and do it with a, a, a fresh um, approach, which is what we did. So we mm-hmm. we reinvented the idea into a short form series as well as the half hour comedy series. So when we were pitching it to the, to the, the streaming platforms and to like the new uh, production companies like like Red Bull, you know, all these different companies that have their own um, uh, production companies that aren't mm-hmm. just doing like a, a, a product. They're also doing the entering into the the filming world and the entertainment world, making various different forms of media. So we've been, as we speak right now, repitching this with a fresh new approach and we have a lot of interest, but it's definitely been a slower process because not a lot of people are looking to take on new content um, right. that isn't already... Um, baked within the 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 company itself so if it's not netflix having uh sought out a showrunner or sought sought out an idea themselves and and approaching creators it's much harder for you to take your idea and, and say hey um would you like to make this because then as a creator you have all these people who are attached to this project Mm-hmm. And that nets can sometimes make it a harder process for a production company or a streaming service to then have control over 
so mm. to speak. But we're figuring it out. We, we're very open. We're very flexible. It's for those of you who don't know, it's a, mm. it's a sitcom style, a single camera comedy about a group of gamers who hang out at the store called the Game Factory. And it's all about the quirks and the relationships and the conflicts that happen um, when hanging out with all your friends who basically just want to play video games all day. So, you know, we've got it. We got to get an episode about like uh, our characters getting obsessed with World of Warcraft, you know, Gamers Anonymous type of situation. Um, uh, we have a, an episode that's inspired by like Pokemon Go, you know, going around on your phone and, and catching various different monsters. Um, it's a really funny uh, uh, um, gamer. Uh, it's a show made by gamers for gamers in a way. I had been looking for a series that was really going to hit the nail on the head in terms of what it means to be a gamer and uh, like all the comedy that goes along with it. I grew up in a game store and there were so many characters, you know, from the guy who owns the place to the dude who's getting, you know, dropped off by his, his brother's girlfriend. Like it was just such a very interesting, unique experience and, and, and all the different styles of games between card games, comics, uh fps uh, uh mmo moba it's it's like we we try to cover everything yeah that's uh, that's cool i mean it's sad it's it's sad to see it to, i mean because of the the pandemic is to see it halt but I definitely i guess the biggest thing is that the biggest end goal is you're wanting to have your vision the way you're wanting to interpret it to be you know so i'm really glad you got your the rights back and stuff yeah to, uh, to get it to get it back to where, where what you're wanting it to become again so hopefully well hopefully again just cross my cross our fingers to see see if we're going to see this here in the future you know one way or another we're going to get this out and that was most important to us is we didn't want to sell out so to speak and have our idea diluted to something that is um marketed towards a specific audience because what we made is what we want to make and uh definitely certain companies have a certain age demographic or or or, um genre of audience that they try to uh, appeal to and we we Mm. wanted this to be what we wanted to make because if we if we if we tarnish the idea then uh or if we compromise on that we know that that's either a slippery slope in terms of compromising or we're mm. not setting out to make what we wanted to. And and I don't think that that'll be that great if we, if we did yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially with like what you're saying, especially with if, if it's a gamer for, uh, by gamers for gamers, people will be really picky on, <laughs> on oh, expecting yeah. it to be, to be a certain way. So definitely understanding, understand that. And like, as you just said too, like, uh, like, uh, about, about the game factory, uh, you would consider yourself to be a gamer or or big in gaming culture itself, like anime, gaming, and all that stuff. My whole life, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, when I'm not sitting and uh, when I'm not working, doing auditions or jobs, I'm home playing video games. Between you know, uh, when I was playing Dota to Overwatch to Final Fantasy fourteen, just Call mm-hmm. of Duty uh, or or RPGs, uh, action adventure games. Like I'm I'm all over, just constantly um, or watching anime. I sit and watch pretty anime pretty much every night. So it's that's, you know. <laughs> Like, it's, a, uh, it's a blessing that my, my two jobs or, or two interests, the, the paths intertwined, and I get to, like, do stuff for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and uh, like I said, you're you're uh, you're the main dude in Neo. Uh, uh, the world ends with you. Like, uh, is this your first? Is this would that? Would you say that's your the the first big break in in, in voicing in voicing in gaming, or or have you been doing other have you done other things? I've done other um, things. So. There's a couple of uh, there's a couple of projects that are coming out. Um, 
I know that you can discuss. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not that I can talk about yet. There's definitely a couple of cool things coming up. But in terms of a big studio video game lead character, this Mm -hmm. was definitely the most monumental in in that sense. Uh, And it was an extreme surprise and a delight to find out that I was doing it. Yeah, I swear to God, though, if you are like character in Final Fantasy VII, you don't come back on here to talk about it, I'll be pissed. <laughs> I promise you now, if that does come to fruition, you will be the first person I reach out to. <laughs> there you go. Okay, you heard it here first. There you go. But uh, uh, like, uh, and, uh, I'll be like, what kind of RPGs were you into? Like, uh, uh, like you said, JRPGs. Like, what kind of JRPGs did you did you like to play? Oh, gosh. I mean, everything from the PlayStation to PS2 was like my bread and butter. It was Mm -hmm. like my favorite game series of all time is Sweet Coden. Um, One, two, three, four, (laughs) five. I mean, I have like an entire manga. I have every single manga of it. I have the Japanese games. I've got all of the regular games. I've got the the Japanese import card stories. Like that was my my game. Like I have a my, I have a tattoo on my back of the true beast rune. So like I go deep <laughs> oh on that series. God. I um, have never seen a, su- a hardcore Sukadid fan like that. Yeah, That's pretty tight. <laughs> that that was like my life. But I was also playing like Legend of Dragoon, Breath of Fire, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the the Mana series, um, mm-hmm. Legend of Lagaya. Uh, Lunar Silver Star Story, Star Ocean 2, um, you know, all of those PlayStation really dope JRPGs, Chrono mm. Cross, Chrono Trigger, you know, uh, that was, I mean, Final Fantasy, every Final Fantasy I've played yeah. and beaten, um, that's a given. But uh, that, yeah, any of those like really dope PS2 PlayStation JRPGs, mm. I've, I've probably played them and yeah. probably completed. <laughs> PlayStation and PS2 was like the golden age of RPGs. Definitely, it I was. Say that. Especially like so, like well, Sukadid. I'm surprised because like I mean, Sukadid Two. I think it's still one of the rarest games out that to find like for yeah. RPG wise. I mean, it's like a two hundred dollar game, but like even, it is. even for its time, it's ridiculous. Mine's no, in case. Just right there, just right there for, uh, to, uh, for the taking, the watch and stuff, and. uh uh, like uh and uh, being a like a director you know a director and a creator um are there any like uh games or something else that that inspires you to create you know some of the shows or the short films that you've made um i definitely say the most inspiration i get is from real life experience things that i've mm-hmm. gone through like i made a short film about one of my cats that passed away and we worked with all uh, like a, a one of the largest feline health research foundations in the world. And we worked with a nonprofit that Seth McFarlane made in honor of his mother, Perry's place, heaven on earth. Um, so in, in terms of like the things that I'm writing or creating, it's all based off of, of my life. And I have a bunch of screenplays that I've, I've written some that have won awards. I have a, a screenplay called Barbie boy, which is very much inspired by my life growing up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, an animated series that's about Halloween because I'm obsessed with Halloween and, and like scary movies and stuff that we're, we're pitching right now too. But in terms of video games, I really believe that the stories and the characters in a lot of these RPGs that I've played have influenced me into like the hero's journey because mm-hmm. I always saw myself like as, you know, Ryu and Suikoden or, or Cloud. I saw myself uh, wanting to like be not necessarily the most interesting person or the person who's right for the job, like you're not your stereotypical hero, but put in a position where this person has to make a decision to do the right thing. 
and help people out in a, in a scenario that might be scary for them. So that definitely influences all of my writing and, and the, the type of stuff that I want to work on as a director or producer. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's pretty cool. Definitely like that. And, uh, and I mean, I would be crazy, like, not to ask anything about Neo <laughs> with, <laughs> with you. But uh, can you tell us, like, I never played the first one, because I know the first one was originally that came out on the um, the handheld. I think it was on 3DS first. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they remade it and brought it on the uh, on consoles itself. But uh, yeah. uh, could you tell us a little more about, like, you know, the story, like, I mean, without, you know, ruining it, obviously, but the, uh, with your character and, like, what, 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 what the story is and what takes place? Well, the most that I can say is that there's definitely, um, very similar to the first game, there are these characters that are in Shibuya, Japan, and they are thrust into this world um, known as the uh, um, the Yuji, which is the underground, and it's a game called the Reaper's Game. And you find out that there is this um, scenario where these people have X amount of time or X amount of days to beat this Reaper's game or face Erasure, which um, <laughs> could be interpreted as as many different things. And uh, the best th- thing I would say for somebody who's never seen uh, or never played the first game is there's an animation out right now that Funimation did. It's the the world ends with you uh, whole first game animated, and it's a great like crash course into what the world ends with you is like. And um, it pretty much covers the entirety of what the first game is. So mm-hmm. I think the way that Nomura had uh, uh, had described it I could be wrong do not quote me here is that mm-hmm. the animation was like created in with the intention to be like um, the entry for uh, playing Neo the world ends with you oh okay I see so is Neo a direct sequel of what the original one was or is this like a is this like a totally different scenario of what uh, uh, of like you know do, do you like have to play the first one to play the second one or, or the, the new one or is this something that's like a standalone that you could go kind of like how final fantasies or don't connect yeah. to each other. Well, it definitely exists in the same kind of parameters that the first game did. So whether you mm-hmm. have to play the first one or not, I think is up to interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of games that give you kind of, um, insight into what happened in the first game. And I, I, I believe there are going to be scenarios that happen like that in this game. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you could enjoy this if you've never played the first game, but my recommendation would be is if you're not going to play it, watch the animation. Cause then you'll have that kind of, um, uh, you'll know who the, 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 some of the characters are. Cause there's characters who return. Um, you'll know what, like <laughs> some of the terms are. Uh, I think that would be the best way to enjoy Neo. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. And like, I mean, have you, uh, um, uh, like, uh, uh, your your uh what's called your character uh <clears throat> so, oh, excuse me uh you're you're the main character itself though like the whole process because I, I did see you play the other day on your friend's twitch that was also one of the one of the side characters one of the characters that played with you um last, i believe it was last week uh uh itself though because like i was kind of it's kind of it was kind of hard on trying to well for me because i'm like i have no idea what's going on when i looked ah. at it but i just loved how it looks it kind of reminds me of the the art from kingdom hearts a little bit mm. uh but but it, it but it looked incredibly interesting and then my like i said my editor was playing it too like yeah. uh what was one of the like uh like what was one of like the was there anything like the 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 craziest like what was one of the craziest things that you uh that you experienced when you were when you when you uh when you were playing your character uh during that during that set Gosh, I mean, I just started tearing up. I I was crying. I was so overcome with emotion because 
Square itself as a company has mm-hmm. been so instrumental on who I am as a person. And and it, it was a little bit of like a, a babysitter for me. I was playing all these Final Fantasy games. So finally seeing my character like in the game and hearing the voice lines, it kind of hit me like, wow, I'm I'm self-actualizing my childhood dreams in a way. And I get kind of emotional now just thinking about it because I'm truly, truly blessed. And um, it, j- just playing the demo, it was at, at every moment, it was just surreal. Like that's, I put that performance in there. So <laughs> when I would hear other people do voice acting as a kid in certain games, and you know, I remember specifically playing Final Fantasy X and James Arnold Taylor's performance as, as Titus. Like I was so like, oh my gosh, you know, like I, 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 I'm so invested in this character and there's such joy and exuberance in his performance that I really fell in love with it. Flash forward to, ne- to uh, you know, years down the line, James is actually the person who introduced me to my agent, which is uh, was a whole crazy scenario within itself. But, you know, being a part of a, 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 a for what is for most people, a a dream come true to see this series come back after 14 years. I felt an immense responsibility and uh, I'm just so uh, excited to be a part of this game. That's awesome. And uh, man, that must be really surreal, especially like you were saying, like hardcore RPG fan playing square, square, square growing up with a square, with square forever. And then now you're in a square game with the person, (laughs) with one of the people that you grew up with. And it's like, Oh wow. That's freaking awesome. Uh, And uh, this is your, uh, well, technically like so far right now, this is your first official video game credit for voice acting itself. But Mm -hmm. I know uh, you did some voices in anime uh, series already, but uh, if it was up to you, uh, which kind of roles uh, would you, would you, do you prefer more anime or gaming? Hmm. Well, there's definitely more video game stuff coming out, so I could promise you that. Uh, <laughs> so I could definitely promise you that. And in terms of what I would want to do more if I had my pick, it really depends because I think if you get it, all depends on the character and the story, and it could happen in either medium. You're uh, de- for most Japanese video games, JRPGs, you're dubbing the same way you would dub an anime. You're matching either a uh, lip flap or you're max- matching a performance or you're matching uh, uh, an intonation or an objective that the, the, the performer in Japan had done. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I really think that. Uh, obviously games are a longer process and you really get to like get the meat and potatoes as they say of the Mm -hmm. character figure out the character go on that really long journey so i really like that experience and then you can kind of like you know you you work on it for a few weeks or a few months and then you're done some animes can go on for seasons for 10 to 15 years so i think working on a, a long series like that would be really awome like a one piece or a naruto or uh, a bleach like that would be um really cool too but it's got to be a good story it's got to be a good character oh man a one man one piece is like it's scary to think that one piece is still going because when you think about it this way the way i look at it is that one piece started two years after final fantasy 7 first came out i know <laughs> it's like and, and they're that, going that, strong it's still in over a thousand uh, episodes i can't even imagine staying in the series for that long that is incredible uh it's i know so. It's crazy. I think that you uh, and and to stay with the crazy part about a lot of this mm. stuff is characters oftentimes don't really age that much. 
Yet right. you as a performer, you know, over 15 years, a lot of things can change within your <laughs> voice or who you are as a person. You're maturing. You have, mm-hmm. you know, a different sensibility. So to like still capture that same essence of a character over that long a period of time, it, 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 these these performers don't get enough credit uh, for that is the a great, great job point. to do. You are totally right because I, I think I think I was I felt the same way kind of with the uh, Kingdom Hearts because uh, oh this Sora was is that Haley Joe Osment was Sora the initial one and he was still the then like the problem was the break between two to three was yeah. literally tw- almost twenty years and it's like. You got Haley Joe Osment when he was what fifteen at the time yeah, when he first yeah. did it, and now he's thirty something doing the same thing, trying to get that same role. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. You're totally right. And he oh, does a great bro. job at exactly doing oh, yeah. that. The, the Sora's energy, obviously, he he didn't age as much as Haley did, but I I <laughs> when I played Kingdom Hearts three, I just felt like, oh, yep, that's Sora. That's Sora, just a little older, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh no, he didn't. He didn't like drop an octave or yeah, anything, yeah yeah right? that's true that's true. yeah yeah <laughs> it's like oh he's not he's not having any of that stubble over his chin still but still it's pretty <laughs> yeah it's yeah, pretty yeah, cool yeah. oh my god all right is, uh, is there any differences in uh in gaming gigs from doing anime or animation itself i guess you kind of did point that out when you're saying like you know coming uh uh you have to go by you know the lips and then also yeah. kind of going by the Japanese dub and stuff. But other than like something like that, like, is there any more difficulties than that, that you also have to kind of put into occurrence? Well, I think too, that if you're not doing a Japanese video game and you're doing like a, just a, an original video game, there's probably a lot more freedom because you can originate that your performance, you don't have to base it off of anything. And uh, also there's a lot of animation or, um, you know, uh, shows you would see on like American television, like the, you know, uh, the Nickelodeon shows, the Fox shows, the Hulu, the Netflix things. Like when you get an original character like that, that's also mm-hmm. a time where you can originate your performance uh, more often than not. But I think between anime and video games, video games by and large require a lot of efforts and screams and like combat stuff because oftentimes there's fighting in the video game. So you have to give a wide variety of inten- mm-hmm. uh, intensities, uh, whether that's like you got stabbed in the stomach with a knife, you got stabbed by a sword, you got clobbered by a mallet, you're getting choked to death. So all these varying different um, scenarios of death or pain require a different um, muscle and understanding and skill set where anime um, – Oftentimes it's a bit more narrative in nature. You're not doing like a long library of that stuff. So mm-hmm. you're just going with the story. There might be a moment of screaming, but you're not going to spend, you know, four hours of a day doing that. <laughs> so, uh, which I've done before and it's intense. Um, uh, not to say there's not moments in anime where, you know, you're going, ah, ah, as we've seen, you know, from people like Sean Schemmel who have passed out doing it. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I think uh, other than that, though, um, I like both mediums. I think that we've seen such variety in both video games and anime. You can see Mm -hmm. there's some anime that are very kind of serious and like a darker tone. um, But there's also comedic ones. um, And the same for video games. I think a lot of video games that are really good find moments to to find comedy or levity. And uh, I, I, I like when you have real humans who aren't just like, one way you know they're not yeah. just one dimensional so oh okay that's that's very well put that's very well yeah. said there uh well well that is great uh well uh 
uh, Paul, thank you so much for uh, uh, check, uh, talking to me, geeking out uh, with me a little bit <laughs> on this. Yeah. Is there, yeah, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to plug, uh, uh, plug uh, yourself on here? Go by Neil. The world ends with you. Uh, coming out on July twenty seventh. Um, you can follow me on all social medias. It's at Paul Castro Junior. Um, I have a Discord too, which is pretty. Uh, I'm pretty active in, and I really try to connect with my audience as much as possible. Um, and from there, I also stream on Twitch. And I don't know when this is coming out, but I've been doing hangouts on Twitch with all of the other cast members um, of the game. So I just interviewed Andy Hirsch, who plays Sho Minamimoto um, in The World Ends With You, which was really fun. And I've got uh, the rest of the cast coming up. Uh, Griffin Burns is going to be coming on. He plays Fret in Neo, who also plays Child in Genshin Impact, and pretty much every other anime uh, you can imagine he's touched, um, and some of the other cast members too. So check those out. Yeah, uh, in terms of other games and, and anime and, and stuff, it's all... NDA, so you'll just have to stick around and wait. Yes, definitely, guys. You need to definitely keep uh, keep track with Paul Castro Jr. He's, he's doing some awesome things and stuff in, in the near future. But thank you so much for for being on the show today, guys. Thank you. Uh, if you like to, if you like this interview, you can also check out all our other interviews on Spotify anytime uh, uh, on uh, Con Freaks and Geeks. Uh, uh, Con Fre- I'm sorry, Con Freaks and Geeks website, confreaksandgeeks.com. Man, I'm getting tongue-tied. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but guys... 11 benevolent events. It's like mumble rapping. But <laughs> this is David signing off uh, from uh, uh, Pop Culture Gems. Y'all, take it easy. Take care, everyone. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>